right, welcome into another episode of the Growing Faith Podcast. My name is Rick McClatchy. I am a staff pastor at the Rocky Butte campus of Manor House Church in Portland, Oregon. We're a multi-site church. Uh, we reach the Portland metro area and also have a campus down in Eugene. Uh, feel it necessary to say, go Ducks. And so uh, today I actually have the great privilege of having a brand new friend uh, on the podcast with me. Um, kind of crazy how this the interwebs work these days. You can get on Facebook and get connected to people um, that you never knew existed. And yet then when you start talking, you see all of the different things uh, that you have in common. And it, it makes me think back um, about a previous episode that we did about the church and we talked about the word community and how community comes really from two words, common unity. And uh, Michael, uh, it's cool because I feel like we are the demonstration of common unity. Like we never knew each other. And then once we met each other, it was immediately clear we have tons of stuff in common because of Jesus Christ, because of our our love for who he is. Um, it automatically started us in a place where we have tons of stuff to talk about, tons of stuff to encourage each other on. And so um, Michael Marcotte, and you are from Illinois. And all of a sudden, I can't remember what city yep. you hail from. So I'll let you, why don't you jump in and just fill it's me in totally. on all that you have and all that you are. <laughs> it's, a, it's a forgettable city. No, it, it, so I, <laughs> from Mount Carmel, Illinois, you know, it's, it's crazy that we uh, connected with each other the way that we did, uh, you know, similar passions um, and then similar wardrobes apparently because we were like the exact same, same thing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yes. No. Uh, so I'm from Mount Carmel, Illinois. I actually grew up uh, in this area um, in southeastern Illinois, right on the border of Indiana. Um, and then uh, I've served in full-time ministry uh, for a while um, up in the Springfield, Illinois area. So, so central Illinois, for those of you who aren't familiar with the geography, the way it works. And then just within the last couple of years, um, my wife and I and, and our two boys, we moved back here, uh, all our families back here, and we were feeling God's leading to come back into this place, uh, which was really strange because uh, we, weren't, uh, we weren't ready to leave, but we felt like uh, it was, uh, God was calling us here. Um, and, you know, in this, in this period and uh, this time since we've been back, uh, we've really seen God move in powerful ways in ways that we didn't expect. Um, and so he's doing exciting things right now. Um, you know, I do a podcast and what we do is we try to help other people read the Bible responsibly to read it in its uh, original context um, so that they can uh, be faithful to the scriptures uh, in the way that they read it and then the way that they apply it um, so that what we're pulling from it is not something that we're putting into uh, from from the get go. Um, and so we're really passionate about that and that's been really cool. And that's one of the ways that we connected is we, uh, were familiar with the, became familiar with each other's podcasts. And so, um, excited. To be yeah, there. exactly. And I think it's so cool. Even the timing of how we got connected because I literally just finished uh, a whole series of episodes specifically on studying the Bible, how to study the Bible, why study the Bible. 
And um, the whole context and being responsible with the word of God was a huge point of that. Uh, all of the, the six episodes that we put out with Lanny Hubbard from our Bible college. And so, yeah, I definitely want to recommend to all of my listeners the Not-So-Secret Bible podcast. Um, and definitely go and check that out, rate and share and all of that kind of stuff. Because the more people that we have that are responsible with the Word of God, the more anchored they are, the more foundation they have, the more secure, the more, the stronger, the more effective people can be in the body of Christ, especially in trying times like this. Am I right? I mean, if you don't have a strong foundation oh, yeah, in this sure. time, <laughs> shoot, because I think to myself, yeah. I have a pretty decent foundation in the word of God. Uh, but boy, I, I wake up days in, in this season that we're living in. There are days I wake up and I'm like, whoa, like, man, I just feel overwhelmed. I feel I feel depressed. I feel hopeless, you know, at times. Um, And I'm thinking, and I have a good foundation. And so, gosh, for people that don't have that foundation, what are they doing? How are they even surviving? And so I love what you guys are doing to help strengthen people's ability, not just to read the Bible, but to read it correctly so that we have good theology and that we have good application starting from scripture and not starting with our ideas and then looking for the Bible to support those ideas as can be kind of a tricky trap you can fall into. So, um, awesome. So once again, thank you so much for taking time to join um, our program and to share your time with us. So, um, obviously here at the growing faith podcast, we are, we love to talk about small groups and pastoral ministry, pastoral care, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, sorry, I, I've been thinking about this class called pastoral ministry all day. So I said pastoral ministry instead of pastoral care. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> um, but so I know that you have some passion around small groups. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. also in regards to then discipleship. And so I just... Why don't you kind of set the table for uh, for those two sure. topics and how you see those two topics kind of coming together? Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, I came to to faith uh, around the time that I was about 20 years old when I came to faith and I'd grown up in the, in the church. But when I really started to consider why I believed what I believe, one of the thing that, things that was um, that really grabbed my attention was how the disciples had changed completely <laughs> from being just these ordinary men to being men that are leading this young, growing church movement. Jesus died from hiding, and then they're going out and boldly proclaiming um, that he had risen. Uh, and so um, that was really influential for me. And so uh, when I got into youth ministry, uh, one of the things that I that I wanted to do is I wanted to be able to create an environment where we were creating community and relationships where people could grow, uh, because I think relationships are the vehicle that God chooses to work with for people's uh, growth through His Word, prayer, and the community of God. Um, and so, as my first, I remember my first year in ministry was so challenging. We got to the end of the year and pretty much every one of our small group leaders was like, man, I just don't even know if I'm, if I'm making a difference, like if, if what I'm doing is uh, even taking any root. 
And so we really had to evaluate, you know, the process of what we were doing and what it came to be able to quantify something that really wasn't quantifiable. How do you quantify something that's qualitative? And so we crafted um, a mission statement for us to, to work with. These are our guidelines. And then we just crafted wins for, for our small group leaders. This is how you know that you're moving people along, that they're taking steps in the right direction. And so when I'm looking at, when I'm looking at scripture and I'm looking at the way that Jesus did this, he, he did it in a very similar fashion. And I wanted to make sure that what the model that I, what I, that I was using uh, really reflected what Jesus was doing, because we're not just trying to get right teaching out of the word. We're trying to get right living. And Jesus didn't just come and teach things. He actually did really uh, incredible things with his disciples. Um, and so when Jesus first is calling his disciples, he says, Matthew four nineteen. he says, follow me and I will make you fish. Jesus identifying the goal from the outset for, for these guys. Hey, here's what, here's what I'm going to do at the end of the line. What you're going to be is you're going to be fishers of men, but using this as an idea of like, what's a disciple, uh, a disciple is somebody who follows Jesus is being changed by Jesus. Follow me and I will make you. Jesus is making us into something new. Fishers of men, somebody who's on mission for Jesus. So by the end of this process, what the disciples are going to look like, they're not going to look like people that are fishing for fish, but the people who are fishing for men. And so are the disciples ready to accomplish this at the outset? I mean, no, <laughs> they're, not, they're not at all uh, ready to do that. Um, and I think that's really evident. So what I want to do is I just want to take some time and look at some scriptures as you move throughout the Gospels um, of the way that Jesus um, meets the disciples and challenges the disciples and develops them to become what they are that you see and what they are when they're leading this growing church movement. Um, so I love first that. scripture <clears throat> I want to look at is, uh, is in Mark. Oh, yeah, go for it. Jump in. Yeah, I was gonna say I love I love the just the, the foundational principle here is we want to do something that Jesus has called us to do. Let's look and see how Jesus did it and then model our approach after his rather than maybe going and looking at the next greatest conference or, you know, speaker or book writer, but to just go to Jesus and be like, well, I mean, you know, he is God, I guess maybe he might know a thing or two about what he's <laughs> called us to. So <laughs> yeah. Going to throw out a hot take here. Jesus was the best disciple maker ever. Hey, there it is. There's your nugget oh, for today. <laughs> tweet that. <laughs> yeah. So, but he, he's going to disciple them in different ways as he's making them into who he wants them to be, he's going to do this in different ways. So the first thing I want to look at is Mark uh, chapter one, verse 29 uh, through 31. What we see here is that after Jesus has called his disciples to follow him, it says that he left the synagogue and he enters the house of Simon and Andrew, James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. And so it's just this really short tidbit, which is basically all that Mark is, is a bunch of short, short tidbits smashed together. But what we see here is what does Jesus do with the disciples? So the disciples are present, but all they're doing is watching Jesus perform a miracle here. Peter's mother-in-law is sick and Jesus heals her. And so their role in this is just to watch. 
And so the first thing he does with them is he's preparing them for what they're going to do is he's just giving them the opportunity to see what it looks like to carry out ministry. Okay, second, second scripture, scripture we're going to jump into here. John chapter 6, okay? So the disciples watch, and Jesus does something. John chapter 6 is, the, is when Jesus feeds the 5,000, okay? And we see this in all the Gospels where he, where he does this. But uh, in John in particular, one of the things that Jesus does is he invites the disciples to take more of an active participation in what he's doing. So... Jesus says to Philip, after he sees that there's a large crowd, he says, Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this, and this is what it says after that, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And so I think it's really interesting to notice that Jesus has gone from these disciples are just watching what he's doing, just keeping an eye on what he's doing, to now they've He's inviting them to part in the discussion of how they're going to carry out what they're going to carry out. And one of the reasons that I think that this is important is this is the way that God has chosen to uh, work in his world is through partnering with humans. Because here's the thing is that Jesus, Jesus could have done this on his own. He didn't need <laughs> the disciples to do any of this, this for him. Right. But he's preparing them um, for a time when he's not going to be there. He's just not going to be around anymore. And so he's preparing them to partner with them in the work that he wants to do and see accomplished. Uh, so Philip doesn't have an answer, but Andrew gives his two cents that, hey, there's a boy here with some fish and loaves. Why don't we use that? And Jesus uses that. Um, and so he invited them into the conversation, uses their suggestion. And then after that, he has them go and gather the bread. So they're actively participating in doing. Um, and I just think that's so cool that he's moving them from uh, this one place of maturity into the next, this next phase of maturity. And I love that Jesus isn't afraid uh, to have him feel a little bit uncomfortable, you know, because I, I imagine, you know, Jesus is like, hey, buddy, uh, how's about we going to feed these people? You know, and he's like, oh, uh, he's looking at all the people and he's doing the math and he's like, so he, and because there's something powerful about that pressure that actually helps us to be more ready to learn when, when the solution is provided, when you know, something happens and we're like, oh, wow. And we remember it way better than if, you know, we were checking our social media feed and something <laughs> fantastic happens. And then we're like, whoa, whoa how, how did that happen? But because he invites him into that process, even though Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. Um, he knows that he's got to invite him in at that point, even if he's not going to play mm -hmm. a major role. He's like, I need to invite you in and give you a piece that you're not ready for so that I can begin to get you to where mm -hmm. you need to be. I love that. Right. I, I remember when I first uh, started serving in, in ministry. And so I was working with junior high students and the youth pastor was giving me opportunities to, to preach. And so the very first time I got up to give a message, man, I was so nervous. Like I had, I really had no clue what I was doing. I just like grabbing Bible verses and then like saying them on stage. Well, is this family friendly? Am I, am I allowed to, I, I'm not going to get too out there, but I, 
I used a pretty explicit verse <laughs> from the stage with junior high students. And after the fact, I remember getting down, uh, talking to the youth pastor, just debriefing. And he was like, uh, man, that was good. Not how I would have done it, but that was good. <laughs> oh, goodness. <clears throat> what book were you in? <laughs> and that's about disciple making is you're going to give people opportunities Galatians, if you're if you're wanting to know. Uh, okay, okay. It's <laughs> not long before uh, Fruit of the Spirit. So, <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, yeah. So it's just going to be messy. And here's Andrew. He's just saying, like, well, I don't know. We got bread and fish, and Jesus is working through that. Like I was, and they're not. They're still not ready to be what Jesus is preparing them to do. But He's moving them along this spectrum to get them to that point. And then, uh, so following this. Uh, and we're bouncing, we're going to be touching on pretty much every single gospel here, but in Luke, um, Jesus sends out the 72 and he's sending them out two by two. Okay. But the thing about this is, is that Jesus isn't with them uh, when, when they're doing this, he's giving them an explanation. Hey, here's what I want you to do. Uh, money bag. Uh, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. If uh, son of peace is in there, your peace will rest upon him. So he's outlining, hey, here's what I want you to do. Go and do this. But he's giving them more leeway and more freedom to carry out that task. Um, and so here's another step in spiritual maturity where this is something they haven't done before. And, and Jesus is giving them the chance to grow in that space and to go do that. And he's not leaving them to do it completely alone because they come back and what they do is that they debrief. Um, and Jesus critiques some of what they're saying. Um, and, um, and then he also, is this one of the greatest expressions of joy we see out of Jesus is when his disciples are coming back and that they're getting to experience and do the things that he's preparing them to do. Um, and... making disciples and we're in that community setting we have to move people along the spectrum as well uh, where we're giving them opportunities to take the reins and run with it but we're not we're not going to leave them and hang out to dry um when i i got another story i'm sorry that i have so many illustrations it's probably just i love it <laughs> i love it <laughs> so uh, so when me and my siblings were little uh my dad was teaching my sister to ride a motorcycle and uh he was on the back of it well he decided he's gonna hop off and let her ride uh, just because thought it'd be a good idea gotta learn well he didn't tell her that he was gonna do that so she freaked out she just like oh, froze up and you just see her like veer straight into the house and boom, right into the, to the oh. side of the thing. Oh, she's fine. She's fine. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> maybe not my dad's finest moment, but you know, Jesus isn't doing that in this instance. Like he's, he's still walking alongside them. He's also uh, right there to be brief with them and talk with them. And he does this throughout the gospels. You know, when he's, when he's speaking to the crowds, a lot of times what he does is he pulls his disciples back in with him and they'll ask questions like, what did you mean when you said fill in the blank? And Jesus will explain it, explain it to them. And so, um, so they've moved from the space where they're watching and Jesus is doing, where they're sharing in the responsibilities. Then when he's allowing them to do something and he's going to watch and he's going to debrief with them and how that goes. And then the last thing that, that I want to point out is, at the end of Matthew's gospel, this is like disciple making 
uh, 101. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nation, nations, baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so, Jesus is releasing them. I mean, he's leaving. He's going to ascend up into heaven. And now it's their time to go and do what he's, he's prepared for them to do. And the call is to make and multiply disciples. And he didn't leave them uh, without a model to follow. He just modeled it for them over the course of three years of what it looks like to disciple somebody and then to hand it off to them. And really, if you think about the, <laughs> I know it can be intimidating thinking about disciple making, but if we just think about it, like the math is on our side of, uh, if one person makes one disciple and those two people go on to make another disciple and we just continue to make and multiply disciples, something like seven years and, and that's the population of the, the planet. Now, I think that's going to happen. No, I don't. But I do think that that speaks to the impact that disciple making can have and of the, of the call to make and multiply. And I, the reason that I point this out is, you know, Jesus could have come and taught for a few years and that'd be all that he did. But instead, he decided to bring in this small group of guys <laughs> that uh, he would pour into more than he poured into anyone else, that he would intentionally move from one point to the next and prepare them for when he was gone so that they could do the exact same thing when he was gone. Um, and then we see in Acts 2 that uh, they received the Holy Spirit they're still kind of hunkered down in Jerusalem, but they receive the Holy Spirit and then boom. Uh, I mean, things just start happening. Um, and, and so if we're going to take anything away from this, one is that just Jesus was just intentional with these guys. Um, spiritual maturity, it's a nonlinear spectrum, but there are certain levels of spiritual maturity that we can, uh, that we see just pointed out in scripture. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul talks about Uh, people, but he can't because uh, they're infants in Christ. He said, I fed you with, with milk, not with solid food because you're not ready for it, even though you should be, should be ready. You know, there's such a thing as spiritual infants and there are things that spiritual infants need. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to need to see what it looks like to model Bible reading and prayer and community uh, and service and compassion. Um, and so you deliberately, you know, give those things to them in a relationship, but eventually, you know, you got to you got to lengthen the leash a little bit. And so you do things alongside them, give them some responsibility like Jesus did with his disciples. And eventually they're going to be taking on things as young adults where uh, they're going to be spearheading some tasks. And then you're going to, they're going to come back you know, to debrief. And then eventually we're just going to be releasing people to go and do exactly that same thing. Um, where yeah. There's a couple of, there's a couple of reasons why I think this is so critical um, for the American church right now, I certainly say my church here in Portland, and I'm just going to assume yours in Illinois is, um, well, here in, here in Multnomah County in Oregon, we're still, we're still not allowed to meet uh, more than 25 people. Um, so this whole Sunday morning service thing is a bit of a challenge right now. And, um, and really it's the thing that the American church has really become centered around is this Sunday morning thing. Um, yet really, uh, Jesus has started something when he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. 
uh, he wasn't he wasn't talking about something that just meets on Sunday. He was talking about his body and something really powerful about Jesus uh, doing the, you know, when he sent the 72 to, to go back to that specific example that you pulled out, he sent them into an arena where he knew they were going to encounter things that were beyond their understanding and their current ability. And then, you know, he debriefed, so he mm-hmm. helped them in that process. Um, but what that does, and, and this is interesting because it's Jesus. So if anybody could have developed dependence in his people on himself, it would have been Jesus. Uh, because sometimes that's what we do is uh, we keep people as our followers. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. committed to us. So there's relationship there. But we don't equip them and challenge them to go beyond even where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what we end up unintentionally doing is we stunt their growth and make them dependent upon us almost to the point where where we become like their functional savior in a sense. And Jesus was their savior and he right. was still pushing them to go beyond. And, um, and I think there's something uh, a little bit helpful here, even when, even Jesus, even, <laughs> even the son of God on earth, when, exactly. when he, when he left, his people were scared out of their boots and, and had to wait for the Holy spirit to come and empower them to really become yeah. who they were supposed to become also you know, seeing the resurrected Christ really kind yeah. of began to change, which hey, there's something there, right? A revelation of the resurrected Jesus in your life that not even death can hold him down, that can mm-hmm. can spur you on um, to be bold and courageous in those things. But um, just something really interesting about Jesus. I mean, we're all dependent upon Jesus. We're all in Christ, um, yeah. but yet, he wanted them to grow beyond, and that's why I think he said, it's good, it's good that I go from here, that, that you're not dependent on the physical me, but yeah. you get to have the Holy Spirit that is uh, available for everyone at all times, any place. See, I told you I was rabbit trail driven, yeah. and uh, so that no, no, I, just, I, uh, that, I think that's so good, and that's so, so important, because it just, it's hard to fit that it's hard to fit our uh, modern American church framework into what Jesus is doing and saying, if he's saying it's better for you, if I go, well, if all we're going to do is come and sit in church services on Sunday morning, that doesn't make much sense. But if he's releasing us to go and do his ministry, then absolutely it makes sense because he's empowering us to make disciples. So I, I think we have to be really active and intentional in coming together in small groups. <laughs> so I'm so passionate about small groups is because that's what Jesus did. Yeah, he taught to large crowds. Like that, there's nothing wrong with that. We should simultaneously. Uh, he's pouring into just a small group of guys, and then you see that shrink even further down with Peter, James, and John. Like they get even more intimate experiences with him. You know, the transfiguration. Uh, yeah, the the raising of the little the little girl and um being in the garden with them um and so he's preparing them even more um but yeah so we have to be intentional because spiritual maturity again it's non non-linear but people are going to be different points of spiritual maturity um but that that's going to lead me into my next point is that we have to invite people to deeper commitment um and jesus 
with in all of these instances, he's offering them a more challenging next step than the one before. The first one is just come follow me. And they're leaving behind a lot. I mean, they're leaving behind their livelihood to, to follow Jesus, the disciples are. Um, but he's asking them to get their hands dirty later on. First, they're just watching him. And he's asking them to think about what is it, how are we going to accomplish this? Um, so I, one of the, the instances of this that I think is really just so paramount in my mind is, is after Jesus is resurrected and he has that moment on the shore uh, with Peter <laughs> where they recognize it's Jesus on the shore. Peter dives in. He's, uh, he's moving up there and this is following Peter's denial of Jesus. And so he's just got to be feeling so guilty. And, Peter, and Jesus just challenges him and just prods him in that spot. And they, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And, you know, he's, he's preparing him. Like he's, this, is, this is a moment of radical, I think, forgiveness and reconciliation for Peter. Um, but he's also preparing him. Like you're imperfect. You're, you're not perfect, but I'm still releasing. I'm still choosing to work with you and work through you. Um, and so Peter gets mine. Yes, I do love you, Jesus. Yes, I do love you, Jesus. Yes, I do love you, Jesus. Um, and then a step into what Jesus has for him next. Um, and this is, I think it's really challenging when we think that there's like one right way to, to make disciples, um, people are just different in general. And so people are going to need different things, not just along the spectrum of spiritual maturity, but just personality and whatnot. Um, but when you think that things have to be done one way, you get really rigid and it's hard to operate in that way. Um, but when you start to like release and let go, like, I mean, that's just Jesus, man. That's just what, what he's doing. And it's just, um, releasing and letting go. I remember I had a student, it's just like really challenging. Uh, I didn't want to be at group. I had, I mean, uh, prior issues anyway, I'd lost his dad. His mom was like really devoted, was serving well. Uh, put him in charge of something. I was just like, hey, I just, could you do the soundboard for us while we're, while we're doing services and stuff? We'd really love that. And he's in my small group. You know, I got a small group and it's my small group. And one of the most powerful moments for me was uh, like a week later, uh, he stood up for me in some way. It wasn't even a big deal. It was just kind of jokingly. But he said, you know, Michael trusted me with this. And so I trust him. And it was just like one of those big relationship connectors. Like that was a huge step forward with us. And about a year later, he's given his life to Jesus. And so um, just challenging them to, to deeper commitment, um, taking the next step and being okay with, things getting a little messy. People are messy. <laughs> I mean, the disciples yeah. are evidence of that. Yeah, come on. Yeah, I think that's such a, such a refreshing thing to remember is that uh, that journey with Peter and the three denials of Christ, um, you know, and, it, it, you know, to some little girl, like, what's, what's that little girl going to do to you, Peter? Why, why do you feel the need to deny Christ even to the little girl and, and, you know, it's real easy to stand back and be real judgmental. Like, come on, Peter, man up, bro. Uh, but then as I reflect on my own <laughs> life, I definitely yeah. have moments where the little girl, <laughs> you know, the little girl mm -hmm. circumstance asked me if I really believe in Jesus. And uh, the way that I responded in that circumstance uh, clearly communicated, no, I do not believe oh, in yeah. Jesus. I believe in myself. 
Um, and so a couple of things, I, I actually, I preached on that story one time. And one of the things I was really impacted with was when Jesus said, Peter, you're going to do this, you're going to deny me. And then he said, but when you come back, that he was actually uh, telling him he was going to fail and fail pretty miserably, but in the same breath, practically, was telling him, hey, but when you come back, I need you to come and do some really important work to strengthen your brothers. And um, and it doesn't really seem like Peter took him at his word because he went back to fishing. You know, he he went back to the thing that he had always known before, and Jesus had to come and chase him down on on the beach you know he, he had to make him one more meal and and have that have that moment and so one for me personally that's really encouraging that i i can be peter and i can i can fail uh, and i can actually kind of feel like i got to quit and go back to the thing that i think i actually know but that jesus is the kind of god that pursues us even mm-hmm. in the midst of our failure and, and we, so then we should be the same. We, we should yeah. be the same to the people. We shouldn't write people off uh, because they didn't handle that situation well or because they were mean to us or, you know, like if Jesus is willing to put up with us denying him and still coming after us and restoring us, we should have the same kind of attitude towards people that we are working with. And then I was just thinking, you know, here, yeah. here we are, you and I, uh, we got microphones in our faces and trying to say something worthwhile for people to learn from. Um, and it's like, who says, who says you and I know enough uh, to be able to be of help and service to other people? Um, and I bet you, I know my mom, my mom says no. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking, you know, at some point, I'm assuming this happened in your life as well, but I know I can think of a couple of times in my life where somebody stopped, looked me in the, looked me in the eyes and said, Rick, I see more in you. And I see the call of God on your life. Mm. And it was those little conversations that changed the course of my life because I didn't know it until somebody Mm. called it out. You know, I like, you know, you feel like God speaks to you or, you know, here or there, but to have someone else look at you and say, I believe God has called you to something is so powerful. This personal discipleship thing. Uh, I love the, the point about be intentional, like uh, find, seek people out, go after them, pursue people. Obviously they need to respond. You know, there needs to be a response in that um, and invite them to a deeper commitment. That is so huge because we live in such a consumer-oriented culture that it's very easy for people to be like, yeah, Michael, what are you going to do for me? How are you going to help me? Uh, but that we're actually calling them to a deeper level of something. Um, and then um, y- your third point is uh, let God be God. Yeah. Let's, let's jump into Can you? Yeah, flesh that one out for me because I'm very curious uh, what you mean by that. Yeah, sure. Okay, so this is actually something that um, was kind of like divine revelation for me is that when I got to the end of serving in full-time ministry, I had gotten really, really good at leadership and I had gotten really, really good at just this process 
Um, but what I had forgotten to do is connect to God. I had really started to move myself into his place and think like, man, I can just manufacture disciples. Like we're just gonna, we're just gonna follow the process and it's gonna work like this. The reason I say that let God be God is because Jesus is the only one that can change hearts. And no matter yeah. how much of a process that I, I follow, he's still the one. Like, yeah, I'm partnering with him, like I'm doing my role, but I don't have the power to change anybody's hearts. And, and so, you know, Jesus, he, he says, it, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Like I can point people to him, but there's nothing in me that, that has the power to say, boom, now you believe in Jesus. Boom, now you're saved. Like Jesus has that. And he's going to be the one calling them in, into deeper commitment. And so what I would challenge people to do that as they're making disciples, remember that you're a disciple of Jesus first and, and that it's so important to be connected to him. Um, and instead of you, I've, I've listened to you say this, uh, don't put doing for God before being with God. It, it, as soon as you do that and you get the cart before the horse, you're going to start to feel this attachment. You're going to start to put yourself into God's role. And that's just a place that you don't belong. Um, and so constantly, constantly be checking yourself and, no, I'm not. I'm not as great as I think I am, but Jesus is as great as I know He is. Um, so let God be even God. better. Disciple making, it's not manufacturing. Only Jesus can change hearts. <laughs> oh man, yeah. that's so good. That's so good. Such a that's a strong finish to that thought process because um, it's really good for us to think through. I mean, I love where we started. We started with Jesus is the best disciple maker there is. So start with Jesus and then end with Jesus. And then the rest of it is us just trying to be obedient to what Jesus has called us to, knowing that he's going to empower us to do that work. Um, mm -hmm. And so you, uh, you, you boil it down to you watch while I do, you do what, and I do. So we, we kind of do together. Yep, you do. Yep. You do. I watch, so I'm, I'm not completely abdicating all of my leadership in this situation, but I'm giving you something to do and, and also providing some guidance and accountability and some debrief and feedback. And then you do, I release. And, uh, and that's such an important part. Uh, that's a huge, huge, I mean, that's where the multiplication piece um, can actually take place, right? Uh, up until that point, we are, uh, we are ad addition at best. But when we learn to actually uh, let people do and fully release them uh, into full maturity where the, the student has gone beyond the master, the teacher, that's when we see. And that really is where God's got to be God, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, if it's all about me taking all of my brokenness and pouring it into someone else, good Lord, <laughs> have mercy on our souls. You know, like... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's going to be one sad product. But the beauty of it is when God's grace gets involved. And I mean, I've had it time and time again in ministry, somebody come back to you three years later and say, do you remember that conversation? Do you remember that meal we had together? God used that to transform my life. And I just think to myself, wow, if you'd known the day I was having, if you knew how I felt inside, if you knew how broken maybe I was feeling that day or during that season, and yet God used it 
dramatically in your life to do something mm-hmm. powerful. Wow. I'm so humbled by that reality. Um, and then I just love, again, kind of wrapping all of this stuff up into the small group package. Uh, relationships is where real life transformation happens. Yep. So good. Um, well, man, Michael, you have definitely delivered on your promise <laughs> to provide quality content. <laughs> um, so I just want to say just a huge thank, oh, thank you, you again. You're too kind. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thanks for taking time uh, to sow into the listeners of this podcast. And certainly quite a few of those people would be uh, Mana House people here in the Portland area. So yeah. uh, know that you've got a, a new fan base, you know, some people here in <laughs> Portland that uh, will appreciate. Again, just to kind of remind people, the podcast that Michael um, has started is the Not So Secret Bible. And their their real passion is to help people uh, read and apply the Bible responsibly. So to understand context and what the Bible, not just what you feel like the Bible means to you, but what did it mean to the original audience? And then how does that apply to our lives today? So definitely take some time to go check that out, give them a listen. And, uh, and so with that, uh, man, uh, let's, let's go and let's go and make some disciples. Let's go and, and be intentional and um, let's let's invite people to deeper levels of commitment and in the whole process let's stay humble and let's let god be god i love those three takeaways so um uh okay so i always like to do this michael and you didn't know it was coming Um, okay you have you know uh you have one last thing to kind of hit the audience with you know it can be on the topic that we've been talking about or it could be just something else, just what one last uh, take you've got uh, to drop on the audience before we say goodbye. It can be on anything. Anything you want. Has, it's has the wild card. See, has your audience seen the movie Inception? Greatest movie that <laughs> there ever was. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. Just throwing, throwing me to the wolves here. But, uh, uh, yeah. So, no, I just... Some I'm of so the greatest insights have come in these moments. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's, and there's so many different situations you can just apply, and you're just like Inception, like that's it. Yeah, something within <laughs> something else. But, right, uh, right. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I'm just really, I don't know. I'm grateful to be on the podcast. I'm, you know, I'm so passionate about small groups. I hope this has been beneficial to people. And um, yeah. and yeah, man, just keep doing what you're doing. This is uh, such a good work. Happy to be serving in in this way and uh, serving alongside you. So. Well, I think we will definitely plan on connecting again. Uh, this has been yeah. this has been really good, and so we'll definitely we'll work another time in uh, to get to work together. Have you back on the show? Um, so, yeah, with that, just want to say one one more big thank you, and to our listening audience, thank you for being with us today. Um, as usual, just like to say, if uh, if the Growing Faith podcast has been beneficial to you, if you could just take some time, like and comment and share and rate the podcast, just to help make it more accessible to people that would be lovely and as always our heart here at the growing faith podcast is simply to help equip the saints to do the work of the ministry and so if you have ideas for future topics and episodes i'd love to hear from you you can hit me up at rickm at manahouse.church and with that i wish you the very best of days and may god bless you